what are we looking forward to? Because a lot of what we're reading here, I think, tells us about what we're looking forward to now and later in the Christian life. But let me ask you this question. At the moment, what are you looking forward to right now? Looking forward to our family picnic this afternoon in the Pretoria Botanical Gardens. Ooh, that does sound rather with, good. With all Liesl's family, cousins and brothers, sisters, brothers, sisters mom. mom, aunts. Wow, a crowd. The feeding of the 5,000 by the sound of it. <laughs> what are we looking forward to? So two things, Malcolm. Yep. One, attacking here. One, we're looking forward to watching Vicky playing a netball match this afternoon it's on Sky YouTube. I'm not advertising it, just that I'm measuring in passing. <laughs> uh, and the other thing we are looking forward to is obviously Line of Duty this evening on television. <laughs> Finding out what happened at the end what of last week's there? episode. Oh, no plot spoilers, anybody, in case you've read anything. All right. Olivier's sun in the garden. Summer holidays, Elsie and Mulligan. Yeah. More sun. Me seeing people outside. Dawn, you miss us. We miss you too. Joe, seeing mum again. Being under the water again. Right. Scuba. Yeah. Friends are coming today, says any. Oh, fantastic. Great. I'll oh, have a good time. What else are we looking forward to? Anything else? For all the DIY to be completed in my house well, and kitchen, bathroom. Some of it isn't DIY. Some of it's just, yeah. Well, it will be over and finished. <laughs> yeah, there's a creative and exciting side when DIY projects or building projects begin. And then after a while, it gets a bit tiresome. So looking forward to when it's over. Uh, Leona, Sarah, have you finished your decorating now? Is that done? Yep. That's done. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to hugging people. <laughs> yes. Let's, please, can we hug each other? Oh, of course. Yeah. Desmond, Esther, being able to travel back to Hong Kong to meet friends and relatives. Simon and Patricia meeting with family and friends again. Almost all of this is relational, isn't it? It's interesting. Looking forward to things. Isn't it nice to have something to look forward to? I mean, it's a bit painful when you don't, have the thing you would like and you're looking forward to but on the other hand it kind of gives life almost a bit of meaning to have something to look forward to what would life be like if there was nothing to look forward to if we'd already got everything in the way that we wanted it or thought it should be or could be how boring life would be the the uh the fact that life is incomplete is one of the things that defines life in a way. And one of the things about the Christian life is that we're not already there yet. You know, are we there yet? And as a Christian, we're never fully there yet in, well, while we're still here in this body, you could say, in this life. We're looking forward to things. And part of what Peter's dealing with here is he's reminding his, re his, uh, his, his hearers what they are looking forward to, what they are to look forward to. And what I would suggest, there are three things which we'll unpack here. There are three things I think is reminding them they're looking forward to. The first is that they're looking forward to eternal life with God. Eternal life with God. As he says at the end there of that passage, you will re receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So looking forward to that. Secondly, looking forward in this life, before we get there, to becoming more and more like Jesus. And I think that's the key uh, uh, um, principle behind 
when he says add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and so on we'll talk more about that in a minute but the underlying foundation of that i think is that uh, you can look forward to uh, becoming more and more like jesus as you mature in the christian life and the third thing is that they are they can look forward to bearing fruit in this life through their hope of the eternal life but also the hope of becoming more like jesus and that will bear fruit as he says here these qualities will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, you will be effective and productive, or fruitful is another translation of that word, if you grow like this and as you grow like this, as you walk towards eternal life with God. So we've got three things we're looking forward to in this passage. Looking forward to eternal life with God, looking forward to becoming more like Jesus, and looking forward to bearing fruit while we're here in this life. So what Peter is saying here, at least in part, is he's assuming that growth is the natural state of a Christian. That for a Christian, mainly maybe not for someone who's not a Christian, but for a Christian, growth, maturing, is, an, is the natural state. But it's not automatic. Otherwise, he wouldn't give the reminder here and the calling, the challenge, in fact, to embrace what he's talking about here. So in the last two sermons, we've talked about the reasons to embrace this. If you just look at verses 5 to uh, to 11, you could conclude that these are just tasks to be done and they're just uh, boxes to tick. They are things that could burden us. But no, you see, the, that's why he's given us verses 3 and 4 to remind us of the motivation behind this and the strength that we have, his divine power, all we need for uh, everything we need for go a godly life. He's given us great promises so that we can participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world caused by, caused by evil desires. And so we've got all that we need to make what he talks about in verse 5 and following a reality. And so we engage in this effort, this every effort. We engage in the effort of spiritual maturity and growth, not because we're religious or it makes us more religious, not because it gets us some brownie points with God, not because it makes us feel better, uh, not because it somehow will keep God off our backs as long as we sort of do what he wants. Not because it will make us look good in church. Not because if we grow, we can look down on others and feel smug. That's not the point at all. It's because we've been given the power. It's because we've been given the, the vision by God. It's because we've given all, been given all the resources that we have this richness available in our lives. Uh, uh, an enormous... A uh, 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 vat of wealth, of riches, of, of of wonderful things from God that we can dip into and use to apply to our lives to make us more Christ-like, so that we can look forward to God doing things with us, in us, and through us, as well as making it to eternal life. So, first of all, he says, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and so on. Let's talk for a minute about making the every effort. Make every effort to add. Now, what he's talking about is not self-improvement. He's not talking about being a self-made man or woman. There's no such thing anyway. No one is really self-made because they had parents for, for starters. There's no such thing. But and, and making every effort isn't about passing an exam. It's He talks about growing in these qualities in increasing measure. And so making every effort is making every uh, effort, effort to, to, to make what God is doing in our lives fruitful to cooperate with him not towards perfection but towards an increasing measure of christ-likeness what a wonderful thing to put our efforts into a lot of us put efforts into many things and that's all good and we are hoping many of us parents here 
online we're making we're hoping our children will make every effort into their exams and things like that and there's there's good side to that but we're not talking about passing a test as such or, or perfection we're talking about growing we're talking about becoming and the christian life is really more less about achieving more about becoming and what we've got here for those of you who are interested in this kind of thing is we've got a christian version of stoic philosophy uh, the, the pre prevailing uh, main philosophy of the time was Stoicism. Um, and we see some parallels between Stoicism and the Christian virtues that are mentioned here. But there are two big differences. The big, the big difference, first of all, is that this growth is meant to be achieved with the power of God rather than whatever we have uh, within ourselves. And secondly, this growth is to begin with faith and end with agape love. He starts with faith and he ends the list with love. Let me give you a quote from a book I've been reading recently, uh, which I should put on screen, which says this. This is from a book called Character and Virtue in Theological Education. Peter tells us that we have res received divine power in order to live a godly life of virtue. He is saying that in the gospel, we have everything we need to be good, not just to be saved. This is the less familiar side of the gospel. The good news is not just that we can receive a rich welcome into the kingdom, but also that we get to add virtue to our faith. The gospel is not just that we get to go to heaven, but also that we get to be good people as we partake in the divine nature. And he goes on to say, simply put, Second Peter shows us, that the Christian gospel provides the power to fulfill the quest of the classical philosophers. Aristotle, Plato, Cicero and Seneca, and Seneca was a contemporary at this time, wanted to know how to obtain arete, which is the Greek word for virtue or a right way of living, and be virtuous. They looked to philosophy to fulfill their vision. They devised habituation practices to educate the soul, and they sought to create a healthy polis to instill change by emulation. But although all these things were good, their power was limited, and the failure of Seneca with Nero was a contemporary case in point. What Second Peter tells us is that the power to add virtue to our faith comes from Jesus. This is the difference between the message of Jesus to that of the classical world. And I'd say it's true even today. It's the difference now. You go on YouTube and type in self-improvement or, or personal growth. You'll find a gazillion videos that will give you often some pretty good advice. Not always, but you know, some good stuff out there. But the power, the power isn't, isn't in YouTube. The power isn't in the person giving the presentation. The power for personal spiritual growth is in Jesus. Let me unpack a couple of things from this little quote here. Firstly, you see that a lot of this sounds like church. The the idea that they look to philosophy to fulfill their vision. So that's about knowledge, and we need knowledge. In fact, Second Peter talks a bit about knowledge. They devised habituation practices. That means developing habits. And ha good habits are a major part of how we grow, whether you want to grow your muscles or whether you want to grow your intellect or whatever you want to grow. And uh, it's actually quite a hot topic at the moment in the area of self-development generally. Uh, a very influential book called Atomic Habits is, uh, is doing the rounds, has been for a while. I've uh, read, am I read it? I think I read it on Audible. And that's the idea there is that uh, you develop these habits and that helps you. And he talks about in the middle of that um, uh, bit there, a healthy polis, which means a community. 
So the idea is that you get the knowledge, you get the habits and you get the community and you're sorted, you will grow. But what Peter's saying is, mm, no, you won't really grow in what really matters. You won't grow in the deep parts of your spirit in the way that only God can help you grow. This is what's available. And you'll see in his quote also, he mentions Seneca and Nero. So they were contemporaries of Peter. And when this letter was being written, Seneca was the foremost stoical, stoic philosopher of his day. And he was renowned as being a mature man, a wise man, and someone to be imitated. His star pupil, he was the personal tutor to the Emperor Nero. If you know anything about your history, you will know that Nero didn't turn out too good. He was half mad. He was uh, unrestrained. He was one who persecuted people who disagreed with him politically and religiously. He is known to have uh, murdered many Christians and indeed possibly is the one who uh, caused the death of uh, the Apostle Peter. He was a vile person. Seneca, the great tutor, wasn't able to help Nero. And the people that Peter wrote to in writing this letter would have known this whole story. And they would have known that Stoic philosopher, or if you like the philosophy of the day, the, the way of being of that age, was not guaranteed to change anyone. They had to have their faith, their hearts, their minds pointed back towards the power of the Holy Spirit in them to create greater Christ-likeness. That's what's essentially going on, uh, going on here. So, where does that leave us? Well, if I get my notes back, where that leaves us is that we are called to add to our faith. We're called to add. And the add is hopefully not too much of a, of a hard, um, what's the right word? It's hard work, but hopefully it's not a it's not something that we look we, we will see as a drudge as a, as a an, an annoying thing to have to do because the word ad there it comes from athenian drama festivals where a rich individual who was called a choreogos joined with the poet and the state in putting on the plays and it was very expensive you had to be very rich to be able to do this so they promoted these plays and for funding the play they got a chance to to do a walk-on part in the chorus to be like someone today who might fund um, a, uh, a film. They might fund a film on the, on the um, condition that they get a chance to have a cameo appearance in the film. That's the kind of thing that was going on. That's the adding that's going on. It's being, it's, it's understanding your wealth and your, your, through that wealth, your ability to be able to participate in what we're talking about here. So add to your faith, he says, and then he gives us a list. I'm going to go through these very briefly, and then I'm going to ask us, to think of biblical figures who displayed these qualities. Faith is here in this context about loyalty to Christ, but now what? <laughs> What's that faith going to do? You've got your faith basis sorted. Now take on the implications of that foundation by adding. You could translate it by means of your faith, supply, and he goes on to talk about goodness, which is the word arete here, the Greek word meaning virtue. So virtue, moral excellence, in contrast to the greed and the looseness of the false teachers. Remember the false teachers to uh, that Peter's countering here uh, are saying you don't really have to mind how you behave. Now you've got Jesus, you can do what you want really. And Jesus isn't coming back anytime soon anyway, so don't worry about it. That's what, uh, what he's talking about. Uh, a scripture that uses the same, the same word that we're talking about here in goodness is this one here in First Peter. And sorry, in Philippians, 
brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble or right or pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything that is excellent, that's the word there, arete, or praiseworthy, think about such things. So this is what that means. It's the virtue. It's the, or it's the ultimate virtue of being able to carry this with you through your life. So that's virtue. Then we have uh, knowledge. Knowledge is not just head knowledge, it's knowledge of Jesus. We've seen that earlier in this passage. Um, we have the knowledge of Christ. We have some blessings. Somebody mentioned this scripture last week, I think. Was it John? Somebody mentioned 1 Corinthians 2. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have access to his knowledge and the, and the, the way to live like him or Philippians 1 this is my prayer your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that's what he's talking about here knowledge and depth of insight to be able to discern what's best maybe pure and blameless for the day of Christ that's the kind of knowledge that we're talking about there so knowledge and then after knowledge what have we got we've got self-control mm, self-control oh one of the biggest challenges in life uh, you may remember in Acts chapter 24, and Paul's talking to Felix about self-control and judgment. Felix says, that's enough, thanks. You know, the topic of self-control isn't always something we like to hear about. Another scripture that I could bring to our attention would be in Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So self-control is something that's part of the fruit that God gives us through the Spirit. So that's self-control. Then we have we have perseverance or patience. It could be translated or steadfastness. Perseverance being in this context, I think, the ability to continue in the faith and resist the pressures of the world system that we're all part of. So the, the ability to resist and persist on the path of faith. Then we have godliness. Uh, another word for that could be reverence, living our lives with reverence. It's a practical awareness of God as we live life. So not just while we're here, not just while we're singing a song, thank you, Charles, not just while we're reading a scripture or praying, but a practical awareness of God as we live out our life everywhere we go. That development of godliness so that God is more present with us or we're conscious of his presence more and more as the days go by. And then brotherly kindness or mutual affection, uh, being not just a warm feeling, but a deep abiding love for others, no matter how different and no matter how different or difficult they may be. Hey, listen, we're a church community. We are a church family, but sometimes I can be different from you. You can be different to me. And sometimes you can find me difficult and maybe I can find you difficult. Or we find each other difficult and different. That's a challenge. But this is the kind of love that abides no matter those differences or difficulties, I would say. Let me give you a scripture for this one, which I think is very uh, helpful, which is here in 1 Peter 1, the previous letter. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Deeply from the heart, not just basic love, but a Christ-like love. That's how we cope with our differences and our difficulties when we have them. So that is uh, that. Then love. 
wraps up with love, which I don't need to say much much about, but it's the agape love. It's the love of God for us. It's the love of Jesus for us. In Colossians 3, it says, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another as any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues put on love. You see, there's another list of virtues here in, in Colossians 3. Over all of these virtues, like here in Second Peter, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. It's all bound together by love. Without that, rest of it isn't, uh, isn't going to work. So, all right, let me stop for a moment. People in the Bible who exemplify, who demonstrate, who live out any one of these qualities. thinking so, of uh, goodness and uh, the Samaritan, who we now call the Good Samaritan, even though the Bible doesn't call him the Good Samaritan. Yes. There you go. The Samaritan about, is a great example. Sorry, carry on. How about Lot, who usually gets a pretty bad press, actually, um, but it, Peter himself, in the very next chapter, talks about the goodness of Lot. Lot, he describes him as a righteous man who was distressed yes. by the filthy lives of lawless of lawless men. But that righteous man, living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Yeah, so he was distressed about the lack of godliness around him. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dan. Jethro. In what Moses sense? is. Um, Jethro, Moses' um, father-in-law. What, yeah. what is he? Sorry, go ahead. So he was good in the sense that when everything started getting overwhelming for Moses with all the judgment and judges and stuff, he came in and, and helped him figure out how to manage um, um, just and be just generally helpful and, and just a really useful friend at that point in time to Moses. And then he didn't just stay there, but give it, he gave him the advice and then kind of got out of the way that uh, all grandparents should do. <laughs> Is that a hint, Danny? Is that a hint? Uh, that's, now that, thank you for that. I'm just going to read a few in the, um, in the chat and then anybody else feel free to unmute yourself. But, uh, Asagi Oge say uh, Joseph, an example of self-control with Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. Great example of self-control. Absolutely. A great cost to himself. Um, faith. Abraham is a great example of faith. Thanks, Karen. Uh, Chantil, Jesus fasting for 40 days and nights. Now, that is self-control, isn't it? I'd, I'd agree with that. Right. Luke chapter four and thereabouts. Uh, Remy and Michael, self-control. David's refusal to harm Saul. Like King Saul was chasing him, trying to kill him. David has a chance. In fact, two two opportunities to kill Saul doesn't do so. Great self-control. Um, Barry and Kate, brotherly kindness, Barnabas. Thank you for that. Actually, he went through my mind. Brotherly kind, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, as he was known. Fantastic. Excellent example. Um, okay. Anybody else got some? Got some more? I was going to say um, Peter um, Malcolm. I just remember his, his life throughout denying Christ, feeling sorry for himself, and yet growing in his perseverance, growing in his understanding of love. And throughout his his um, his life, when he gets to the end, I think he was crucified upside down. This is the, is the um, From what we know is yeah. the tradition, you know, of, of, about him. But I remember even through the Book of Acts, he's um, 
There are times even after he's um, had the experience with Jesus, he still uh, refuses to eat with people because it, you know he doesn't think that they're they're really Jews. And he goes through a lot in his life, but he continues to grow. And he, he even he tells people he accepts that um, actually he's not. He's, he learns as he goes through his life, basically. And you see, whenever I think of Peter, I just see somebody who increasingly throughout his life. And we look reading his book right now, Second Peter. The stuff is written there. How he 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 definitely has grown a lot throughout. He, he continued to grow, even though he was with Jesus from the beginning. In most of his qualities, I would say. That's great. I mean, Second Peter, sorry, Peter is a great example of somebody who grew and and was as weak as the rest of us, but did grow. Yeah, great. Daniel Tunde says, Daniel, the love and kindness he showed to the king, despite the fact that he was thrown into the pit with lions. Yeah, I think I might find it hard to be loving towards someone who did that to me. So you got Daniel there being loving, kind. The Bereans, yes, say, okay, uh, says, okay, yeah, knowledge. They, they searched the scriptures diligently, didn't they? They wanted knowledge. They hungered and thirst, thirsted for that knowledge. Good example. Yes. Acts 17. Anybody else? Anything else? I just wanted to say I'm always a big fan of Paul. So uh, he's, um, to me, he's the most, uh, other than Christ, he's the most Christ-like human, Christ human being on the earth. And um, I think he possesses all these qualities, especially um, perseverance and all, all the qualities, you know, love for people and uh, self-sacrifice and, you know. Yeah. yeah, just just the humility as well, you know. Even the very fact that he was, he was, he goes on to say about his own sinful nature and you know, and uh, that side of things, you know, just um, good guy. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll talk more about Paul in a minute, actually, Simon. So that's very relevant. Thank you. There's a knowledge, Nicodemus, coming to Jesus, even though it was at night, he wanted to have an answer to his questions. What does it mean to be born again? What do you mean about that? Um, bit humiliating for him, but he was willing. Uh, Jesus at the temple, um, sitting there learning from and debating and discussing with the teachers of the day. Uh, Jesus shows thirst for knowledge, I would say. Um, Self-control, yeah, the desert temptations of Jesus, where the devil's tempting him. Perhaps perseverance in Jesus, we could say Gethsemane. An example of him persevering because he was, his friends let him down. I mean, that's it's one thing to pray all night. It's another thing to be about to go to your death and say, "Can you can you stick with me, friends?" Like you know, we're friends, and they say yes, and then they fall asleep, <laughs> and you have to wake them up, and they fall asleep again, and then you get arrested, and they will run away. So great perseverance there in Jesus. Uh, mutual affection, brotherly kindness. Maybe Jesus in John thirteen, where he washes the disciples' feet and shows them what it really means to love one another deeply. One translation says that he showed them the full extent of his love at the beginning of John 13. It's not the NIV, it's another translation, I forget which one. Um, yeah, lots of examples, right? Uh, affection, Remy says, Joseph forgiving his brothers after being sold into slavery. Yeah, that's brotherly affection, take it to a whole other level, isn't it? To forgive them for that, my word, that's a good point. Solomon, Someone says, yeah, I guess it's about wisdom or knowledge, I guess. Um, Io, love. Though, uh, right, the Apostle John, known as the Apostle of love. Absolutely. Ruth, 
says Annette. I guess, Ruth, you're talking there about someone who persevered, perhaps. Uh, it seems to me that she certainly did that, perseverance. Uh, and uh, Solomon, uh, John, John, da, 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 Ruth. Oh, she was strong in the faith to follow her mother-in-law. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay, she held on to her faith through devastating, uh, devastation of losing her husband, dying and everything. So astonishing. Yeah. Okay, there's more we could say, isn't there? Okay, I'm going to make a couple of suggestions and then wrap up. Um, and then we'll take communion. Um, sometimes when you look at a list like this and you go through all this, it can be tempting to, to feel a bit like, man, there's so much there. I mean, and I am covering a lot of ground in this lesson. It, it's, it is true. But nonetheless, I would suggest that one of the ways we deal with this is to just think about things for ourselves. You know, what, what are we, uh, where are we, and what is God wanting us to take from this? And maybe you don't need to take, particularly right now in your life, the uh, perseverance um, quality. Maybe you don't need to take the self-control uh, quality. Maybe maybe you do need to take the knowledge quality as something to grow in. So if you were looking at this, a list of Christian virtues, you could say, what might it be as you pray and reflect on it, that God is saying, you know what? Uh, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna work on all of these with you through your life. But right now, right now, this is the one. This is the one to focus on. This is the one I want to get your attention about, and I'd like to help you to grow in. Which one might it be? And maybe there isn't one in this list. There's a list somewhere else in the Bible, but maybe it's worth going through this list, praying about each quality. God, is it goodness you want me to grow in? Is it knowledge you want me to grow in? Is it self-control right now? Is it perseverance? Is it godliness? Is it brotherly mutual affection? Is it actually love? underneath it all what what might it be and i'd encourage us to take some time in a devotional time pray ask god look at the scriptures and there may be as well as pray about it look for a scriptural example uh, or a scriptural person a bible person in the bible who could show you what that looks like like what does it look like to be godly what does it look like to persevere and maybe pick some example from Jesus or the Apostle Paul would be another great example, as Simon said, or some other biblical picture and study that situation in their life and what you learn about that from God's word that might help you to grow in that way. Let's think about Bible characters that might be able to help us. There's somebody there to help you or me. I'm sure of that. Because the thing is, but when all is said and done, uh, we've got such a great opportunity to grow to be more like Jesus. If we take these things seriously, he says, these will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have them, you become nearsighted and blind, forgetting that you've been cleansed from your past sins. So there's an if and a but here. But these growing in these qualities can help you from be, to stop you from being ineffective and unproductive and not be like the third soil. I mean, I think that's the, the image I get here is the idea that we are, you know, there's always the danger of becoming like the third soil in Acts, in Luke 8, the seed that fell among thorns, standing for those who hear, they got some knowledge, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they don't mature. May that never be the case for any of us here in this Watford congregation, that we don't mature. We might mature at different speeds, 
And that's okay. We might mature to different levels, especially in different Christian virtues. That's totally fine. But let's never allow ourselves to think that we're stuck and we can't grow. Let's have spiritual ambition. And so much of spiritual ambition is just saying, God, let me cooperate with what you're doing in my life. Let me work with you, not against you. Surely that's got to be our dream, our hope and our goal. And then we can live the way Jesus lived, the best we can. Living living the Beatitudes, I would say in particular. Not being nearsighted and blind. You know, it's greatly better to see well, isn't it? Uh, I got some new glasses this week because mine had uh, basically fallen apart. I usually wear contacts most of the time, but I do need some glasses. And so I got myself some new glasses. Uh, Penny said they make me look like a newsreader. Um, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, I assume it's a good thing. I think I'll take that. Um, but I now can't see you because they're too strong to look at the screen here. So I'm not going to wear those. But we all know what it's like to have uh, good eyesight and not such good eyesight. And what Jesus is saying here, what, uh, what the Holy Spirit is saying through what uh, Peter is writing, is that we can have clear sight spiritually and we can be um, not distracted by the fuzziness of things that don't look right in this world. If we keep to the path of following Jesus, we will not miss the big vision. We will not get stuck in immaturity. We will indeed continue to grow. So we make every effort. Why? To confirm our calling and election sure. It's not that God isn't sure of it. Sometimes we're not so sure. But growing helps us to be confident in that. We will never stumble, he says. Never fatally stumble, at least. And we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. We will hear the words from Matthew 25, verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. The cup overflows. The banquet is awesome. Psalm 23 rich welcome into the eternal kingdom so what are you and i looking forward to a lot of lovely things uh we are looking forward to hugging each other we're looking forward to being together we're looking forward to being in each other's homes so many things but whatever happens in our lives we can look forward to at least three things firstly looking forward to the eternal life with god secondly looking forward to in this life becoming more like jesus and thirdly, looking forward to the fruit that this will bear in our lives. And all of this is possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of that, because we have been cleansed from our past sins, because we have escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, then we have hope, we have vision, we have direction, we have an aim, and we have wonderful, precious promises. Whatever you're looking forward to, I hope that it is one of these three things in the next few days.